Welcome to the bottle pilot. That wow. Nope. <laughs> Wrong. Wrong. Correct. <laughs> Welcome to the bottle comic, your premier Wednesday comic book podcast, recorded uh, or no, hosted <laughs> by a gay black man, a questionably straight white woman, and featuring a special recurring guest, permanently recurring guest. <laughs> I'm the gay black man, Monte. I am apparently the questionably straight white woman, Veronica, and oh, this is our guest. Yes, and I'm the special guest, Melissa. Mm-hmm. Friends. Friends to Monte and Veronica. Wait, Such good you, friends. You, you think we're friends? Oh, my bad. Oh. <laughs> I know now. We're associates at best. <laughs> I know now. It's fine. <laughs> uh, business partners. <laughs> business partners. Oh, for our very lucrative podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that we've been planning for 10 years that we've known each other. <laughs> yes, we were very precocious teenagers. Mm-hmm. So in this podcast, uh, we pick a story arc in comics and we talk about it using my obsession with Marvel Comics, uh, Veronica's background in literature, and Melissa's general awesomeness and borderline alcoholism. Mostly that. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) this week, uh, Veronica, you chose the... Or no, what are we drinking? What are we drinking? Yeah, I'm drinking a raspberry White Claw. Um, I'm enjoying the same bottle of Barefoot Red Moscato that I had last week. Um, you guys, I don't know what I'm drinking. I (laughs) put a lot of different things in a cup. (laughs) I... Um, I can't pretend it's a real drink. It's not even that good. I put a lot of things like tea and lemonade and tonic water and tequila and some other things. I don't know. I don't know what I did, but I did it. So one of my elementary school teachers had for an event, everyone bring in a random drink, poured it all in a jug together and called it Sassabouli. So that's what that can be called. That's what I'm drinking today. (laughs) Sassabouli. Great. Perfect. All right. So uh, this week, Veronica, you chose the story, so you can go ahead and introduce it. Correct. Uh, This week, I chose the Doom Patrol arc, Crawling from the Wreckage, uh, which is Doom Patrol Volume 2, Issues 19 through 22. Uh, It came out in 1989, written by Grant Morrison, art by Richard Case, ink by Carlos Garzon, colors by... Either Michelle or French Michael Wolfman, Michelle, lettering by John Workman and edited by Robert Greenberger. This story is the first one that Grant Morrison did after taking over. So uh, it occurs right after a big event to finish off Peter Kupperberg's tenure. So uh, it takes place right after an alien invasion that nearly destroyed the whole team which uh, they used to kill off all the characters that Grant Morrison wasn't interested in writing about, (laughs) um, which I won't list here because I don't remember them. Um, The Doom Patrol are struggling to deal with the deaths of their friends and their own misgivings about ever returning to being superheroes. The aliens also dropped what is called a gene bomb, which is starting to give other people superpowers, apparently. So yeah, this is Grant Morrison's first issue, which, as we know, Grant Morrison, wizard number two in the Great Wizard Battle. He was chosen or asked to do this because of his work on an Arkham Asylum comic book with Dave McKean. 
who I love. He accepted because he was interested in bringing the team back to the original feel it had at the beginning. And that's about it. I didn't know anything about this arc or even really this comic before I chose it. Uh, I was just interested in Doom Patrol because I hear that they're weird and they have weird, absurd, uh, abstract villains and stuff. And I thought it would be really cool. Yeah. Well, this villain was definitely uh, abstract and weird. (laughs) It was making Melissa kind of angry when I came down after (laughs) <laughs> I was just so confused. I even read it twice to think maybe I missed something. No, I think it's just what it appears to be. <laughs> it just happened. Um, but anyway, what did you guys think about the whole thing overall, not just the villain? Um, um I was sorry, you can Marty, start, Melissa. Okay, I'm starting. Um so I think even the storyline, not just the villain, but the storyline was also, it's just the whole thing was kind of weird mm-hmm. um, for me. And maybe it wasn't the best jumping off point to start reading about Doom Control, um, either because I just didn't understand what they were referencing or who they were talking about or why things happened. Like, why did the Rebus character come to be? Why was no one investigating why it happened or what? I don't know. There was a lot of things I was very confused about and not saying it's a bad story. I just felt like if I just kept barreling through the story, (laughs) it would make sense. And I was just mostly confused the whole time. Right. Especially since we've read so many things trying to choose a good jumping on point. Yeah. Definitely. I feel like that's one of our metrics we evaluate with. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Monte? <laughs> um, I enjoyed it. I I was expecting, I think maybe I was expecting expecting it to be a little bit more fun. Mm-hmm. Like it was pretty dark. Yeah, which I know from what I because I've seen Doom Patrol in other things. I've never seen Doom Patrol in any of its own titles, and it's always kind of at least when it's when the team is in another story. Like, they're kind of goofy and uh, a little bit silly, but there's still, like, a lot, you know, there's still a lot of darkness or whatever with them. But um, I was expecting it to be a little bit more fun than it was, but I was also expecting it to be weird, and it was very weird. (laughs) So that was great. Yes. And, yeah, the story was a little bit difficult to follow. At first, I was like trying to go back and read things again to see if I missed something. But then I was like, that that's pointless. And <laughs> I didn't yeah. miss anything. It's just yeah. kind of confusing. <laughs> I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I did enjoy it also. Um, it wasn't what I was expecting for sure, much like you said. But it kind of reminded me of, I guess, those late 80s kind of comics, like the Sandman, where it's less concerned about like the sci-fi angle and kind of gets into a more fantasy angle and it's like Mm -hmm. I don't really care so much about the mechanics of what's happening um I'm doing this stylized narration that might be overblown and atmospheric and I want to get to my like cool end game story which I know you haven't read the Sandman so you wouldn't know great yeah (laughs) (laughs) I think I speak for all of us when I say that our first maybe not Monte our first knowledge of Doom Patrol is Beast Boy from the Cartoon Network. 
yes. uh, Teen Titans, who, yeah, was a fun, lighthearted, goofy character. So, yeah, I was really expecting it to be more fun and goofy like that. But I don't know why I expected that from Grant Morrison in the late 80s. Shame. Shame. <laughs> I should have known better. Should have known. I mean, there were a lot of interesting characters. Um, I felt like the artwork in some panels and issues that were just really interesting and fascinating. Mm -hmm. I kind of almost wish of an overarching, there is the Scissor Man world, the Bone world, mm -hmm. Bone Land. Or Quith. Sure, yeah. yes. <laughs> or Quith. And you could tell it was Or Quith because of all the bones. But if you weren't almost even paying close enough attention, the artwork, there was no difference in like coloring between the right. two worlds. I kind of almost wish it was spelled out a little bit more with the yeah. artwork. In that that would have been a good idea. I was thinking of it as I kind of would like the whole thing to be recolored more vibrantly. Like especially, um, I think it's going into the last issue or the third issue. There's that stained glass splash page on the front. Yeah. And it was like actually like somewhat vibrant still kind of muted the way those colors are but like right. it really made me notice even more how kind of drab the color scape was especially for landscapes and backgrounds yeah. and stuff definitely i really like vibrant colors so yeah we can get into a bit more of the beginning about how it's not a perfect jumping on point there's a lot of characters mentioned right at the beginning and kind of a cold open of just like, this is what happened with not much explanation. And I had already looked up sort of the, where it fits in the story so I could give that introduction at the beginning of the podcast, but uh, how confused were you? <laughs> um, you know, like, because it starts off with Cliff, Cliff's dream mm -hmm. with the race car. I still don't really under fully understand <laughs> that dream. I think that's when he, like, his physical body died and his brain was rescued and put into, his superhero name is Robot Man, by the way. It's a great really, superhero name. Really on the nose there. <laughs> kind of on the nose, I agree. Although it's, Well, that's the point. Goes, yeah. <laughs> he also goes by Automaton, which I think sounds much cooler. That was, an, that was another thing, because, like, you introduce all these characters and then you almost don't even name them. Right. Until like midway through the comic, and I, you almost had to, okay, Robert, Robot Man is Robot Man. I have to assume right. it's Robot from the beginning of the issue. <laughs> I don't think it even said, uh, I guess he goes by Rebus now, but his name previous to that was Negative Man, and his power is that like jerky ghost guy is the result of radiation, apparently, and he has the ability to send that out to do things while his body becomes like just like empty and like vulnerable and he sends out the negative energy person. I forget what it's called. To right. Do you things had, on his behalf. You had Dr. Eleanor Poole and Larry Trainer, and then mm -hmm. you're saying that negative man showed up and combined all three of them. Right. So previously Larry Trainer just was possessed by negative man and he had been uh detached from him in this alien invasion somehow. Um so then he comes back repossesses him is speaking now like his own entity and then absorbs Eleanor Poole which as you said I was like why aren't they like doing anything else about this yeah They're just like 
by the way, you want to join the Doom Patrol, new entity that has basically killed the guy that we used to know and this doctor? <laughs> like, let's just move on from that. No, I mean, the doctors at the hospital seemed concerned, but nobody else seemed concerned. No, and they weren't like, um, by the way, you have to stay here because either you are her or you have effectively killed her and we need to figure this out and like deal with her affairs. I don't know. Like, obviously, I don't want to see all that in a comic, but I kind of yeah. want people to take it more seriously. I don't think that really fits the medium. but Yeah, no, I don't want to see that, but I want to feel that that's a thing that maybe they were concerned about. Let's figure out what the hell just happened yeah, and what it means. Poor Dr. Eleanor Poole's boyfriend that she mentioned. Yeah, she had a He's whole gonna life. She's going to be like, what She's happened to my girlfriend? <laughs> oh, she is gone? Oh, to join the Doom Patrol. <laughs> and she does not care to come back and talk to you. Yeah. yeah. She's See, I very much didn't someone. want that. Just because, like I said, when I was going into this story, I was looking for silliness. Yeah. And that was I what know- I wanted. Yeah, that's not what I wanted when I opened the comic. But once something like that happened, I was kind of concerned. There was definitely some silly moments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was one of them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then also, um, what was it? The guy following Cliff around, Magnus or whatever, and he's just mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'm going to make you a new body. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you didn't think of that earlier when I yeah. was bemoaning the state of yeah. my body? It's like, I'm just going to do that. You know what? You've earned it. <laughs> <laughs> he also, as we were talking about, I think before we started recording, just goes around a mental institution referring to people as Crazy Jane, which I don't find to be uh, helpful. So rude. That's her name. Nobody else calls her Crazy Jane. (laughs) His whole demeanor of trying to help Cliff was so unhelpful. Like coming in and saying, (laughs) there are people who have it worse than you. It's like, and then he calls I mean, those maybe. people Crazy Jane. Yes. <laughs> Will, Will Magnus is a dick. <laughs> Will Magnus yes. is a dick and I love it. So anyway, about Crazy Jane, I was like, what the fuck when I was reading her? Because the arc that I want to read in Daredevil is about a character named Typhoid Mary. Yes. Who is exactly the similar. same. She's someone with split personalities, which all have like different uh uses i don't know if she has any mutant powers or anything yeah she does they she all does. all her personality personalities have different power right. sets and she also started fragmenting her personality because she was abused as a child by her father and i was like is this literally lifted one from the other i don't know yeah. who came first <laughs> well i mean pretty much any yeah, character a, that you find in DC, you're also going to find in Marvel and vice versa. So There's a lot of characters like that. Usually, though, they'll like be mostly similar with their powers and costume and whatnot. And then they'll like not so much emphasize the exact same backstory. Yeah. And I was weirded out because I always forget if Daredevil is Marvel or DC. So at first I was like, are there two of the exact same character in the DC universe? But no. It's one in Marvel, one in DC. Yes. Before we talk about Crazy Jane, though, just staying with the beginning, mm-hmm. I want to I want to know specifically from Melissa, did Robot Man annoy you? A li- <laughs> just a little. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that he would. I knew it. I, the whole time I was reading it, I was like, 
he's so angsty and also like kind of funny and he makes like these dry jokes and I was like this is a character Melissa's going to hate (laughs) (laughs) I I did feel bad for him but yeah he he really was kind of wrapped up in his own yeah issues not that you know he can't be but he was I felt bad for him they're pretty serious issues yeah it really yeah. felt like a pretty realistic, like, existential crisis that he was having. And, like with existentialism, it kind of eased off when he had something to do and someone to, like, take care of and, like, things on his plate. And he could focus on the here and now and not his existentialism. That's true. I actually didn't think about that. I didn't he had some of the best that. facial <laughs> Despite being a robot. Yes. Just mouths agape, like... Flashes in the background. Great. Well, like the first time you see his face, he's like glaring, like I hate your fucking guts. And I was like, <laughs> impressive face for a robot to have. Because he's is he in the same institute that Jane is in? Yeah, I think so. But he, but it just kind of seems like he's just dealing with sadness and depression and anxiety and and yeah, existential problems. He's like, he's um gone there himself voluntarily. Sort of like, have you ever seen Patch Adams? It's, no, no. <laughs> oh, uh, the character, he's like, he feels depressed, so he goes there himself, rather than anyone was like, you need to be in a mental institution. He's like, I'm going to go there to get help. So he could leave whenever he wants, and no one is telling him you're not crazy enough to be here. He's yeah. just like, I'm here because I feel the need to be. He definitely probably, he definitely needs therapy. It's just doesn't need to be in a mental institution. Right. Really rather he'd be, I wouldn't, if I were him, go to a full-on mental institution. I might go to a hospital with a behavioral health ward, but maybe that didn't exist in the late 90s. Well, probably. Late 80s, sorry. Well, it's not the late 90s. Late 90s, though, probably. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was Reagan who got rid of all the mental institutions. Yeah. So actually, this shouldn't have existed either. Was it? Yeah, it was Reagan, I think. Yeah, it was. That's what I just said. Yeah. Well, at first I (laughs) doubted you. And then I came back around. My brain said it was Nixon. And I was like, what? No, I don't think it was. No, it wasn't Reagan, Monte. It was Reagan. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. But yeah, I felt like, though whiny, his situation felt really organic and real to life it did i enjoyed uh the character but (laughs) i did think that melissa wouldn't (laughs) yes we know each other really well and we can tell when one another will hate someone or just be moderately annoyed by them so crazy jane crazy jane is pretty great I mean, the only person that calls her Crazy Jane is Will <laughs> Magnus, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's her superhero name. Is it? I'm pretty sure her yeah, character is Yeah, it's in the uh, wiki or the fandom yeah. article. Oh, that's so sad for Crazy Jane. Yes, a very uh, politically correct superhero <laughs> name. <laughs> no, that's one of the things about Doom Patrol was how uh, awful it was in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think we'll get to it later, but when it's like probably an issue twenty twenty two, I think, when mm-hmm. the chief is interrogating that writer. Um, 
and I feel like he kind of plays up the I'm in a wheelchair card, but he did like explode the guy's front door and then shoot him in the hips. <laughs> How did he explode that front door? And he's like, you're discriminating against me because I'm yeah. in a wheelchair. He also Bam. shot him he shot him like through the hip and was like, it's a flesh wound. And I was yeah. like, you definitely exploded his pelvis or at least got very close to his like femur joint. Yeah, completely another- shattered. Yeah. It's like it's definitely another silly moment. <laughs> it was. There. Yes. I was like, Jesus. Did you see in the cover of that issue, there was the stained glass window and it had like four quadrants with like yeah. all the people doing what things and it was him with, with a gun <laughs> <laughs> oh that's Monte's timer's going off yes so quick break while I deal with my apples quick break That scared me a lot. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I opened my phone and a TikTok video had crazy. Monte, while you were gone, we talked about how when Robot Man said he was going to throw up in Magnus's face, Magnus went. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have 15 more minutes and then I'm going to take them out for good. Okay. All right, so yeah, before we move on, as Melissa said, to like the next step, once again, a ripoff between magazines, Chief Calder is just so much like Professor X, including down to his gun that he just uses to randomly shoot people sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Although we didn't see Professor X carrying a gun until the new X-Men story. So that wasn't until 2001 where we realized Professor X just always has a gun. (laughs) <laughs> in case someone takes over his brain, which is stupid because multiple people have taken over his brain. <laughs> so where was that gun then, Charles? Right. <laughs> Maybe he learned from past experience. <laughs> I need to carry a gun to kill myself the next time. Maybe. The chief is much meaner than Charles Xavier. Yeah, he seems like kind of just like a more unhinged version of yeah. Professor Xavier. Just... Yeah. <laughs> he was like, really intense. Yeah. yeah. This story is all about like the what is real and the grip on reality and stuff. And I feel like the chief just never had it. He just, (laughs) he never had a grip on reality. He just is insane. Like it might not be the case, but it didn't even seem like he was the leader because he's like a rich guy who like provided everything. It seems like they're kind of like a government entity and he's Mm -hmm. just the oldest, craziest one. So he gets to be the boss. I think they are a government entity. Literally, no one even wants to be in the Doom Patrol anymore. And he's like, it's happening. You will be. I ignore your statements of not wanting to. You're doing it. Yeah. Well, that's every time that I've seen him in like, or every time that I've seen the Doom Patrol in some other like show or whatever, as guest characters, he's always portrayed as like the biggest dick. (laughs) (laughs) Just like the most gaping asshole yes it's like why do we even listen to what he says yeah (laughs) and i think they are a government group i always got the i think they are yeah he only finally gave me any justification for why anyone listens to him at the end it was like yeah you're all freaks so you have to stick with me (laughs) (laughs) 
So in a way, kind of like the X-Men, like, we're the only people who understand each other and we're family and whatnot, but didn't really see that here. Just like, conceptually. Yeah, it's a different kind of family. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit more dysfunctional. Uh, Yeah. Yes. (laughs) So how did you guys like Crazy Jane's? Crazy? Yeah. How, yeah, it, I mean, maybe, I don't know if we knew anything about her before this comic, but how it almost was, like, very surprising every single time she did something new. Yeah, it was interesting, because she didn't usually change in appearance, not just, like, she had the one black anise where her, like, body physically changed, but she didn't even really, like, get a different demeanor when she changed. She'd just offhandedly say, oh, that was this person, it's like... I guess we're going on her word that that was someone yeah. else, a different personality. She also changed when she had the uh, sun head. Yes, that was very cool. I it saw was. that once again. That was in the glass window at the beginning of the chapter. And I was like, oh, I wonder what that means. But no, actually, literally, her head just turned into a sun and shot little suns out of itself. That was the best thing I've ever seen. Yes. <laughs> you love to see it. I was, I wanted to applaud when I saw that. I was like, how can I express my enjoyment of this sun-headed person? <laughs> but also, yeah, it was... Sorry, yeah. one of them, one of her person, or not personalities, persons, one of them can just teleport? Apparently, yeah. They all useful. have different, which like, the textual justification for it, I would argue against but apparently it's a thing she was previously just crazy it seems like she just had the different personalities and then she got hit by the gene bomb right it made it sound like so Mm -hmm. she's just getting these powers apparently yeah they to me it was similar to like the x-men character legion Mm -hmm. where he has basically limitless powers like he just can warp reality but because he's crazy that's how it manifests Uh, each Mm. one chooses like has a specialty on how they warp reality yeah that makes sense and not uh, well yeah he is crazy he's (laughs) like i don't like i approve of trying to be pc and like calling people in a person first way and using language that doesn't marginalize people but for the sake of this comic i'm just gonna keep going with crazy because well her name is crazy jane her her... name is crazy jane and that's how it's written it's well her actual name apparently is k chalice so her name's not not even jane Jane. (laughs) that was also confusing yes (laughs) who decided to call her crazy jane i guess that's just the name of her I think that Jane provided most of the silliness and weirdness. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and plot movement in this yeah. story. Like, I thought that Robot Man was kind of written as the central character because most yeah. of the story revolves around him. He's sort of the protagonist of this this arc, I would say. Yeah, but to me, she was definitely, like, the star of it. Doing yeah, yes. she was the most powerful resourceful useful character (laughs) yes and it was kind of an interesting dynamic with the personality changes like I've read things or watched things where people have personality shifts before and it's often like it's a jarring moment when they change but hers would just be like she would say something to be like 
that seems like something the character might say. And then she'd say like, oh, sorry, that was this other person. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. I loved it when she was like, I, I didn't say that. My <laughs> name's Kitty. <And> it's like, <laughs> it was yes. great. It's just, there seems- was also the uh, one where she was like, she, it was in the middle of a fight. I think it was after her head turned into the sun. And then she starts freaking out or whatever. And then she's just like, oh, sorry, that was whirling someone having a panic attack. Spinning Jenny, I think. That was was the instance. It was like, even if she just went back to regular Crazy Jane, I could see she would be scared because she's like, oh, why am I fighting? But that was a whole other person. Yeah. Unnecessarily. Great. Wonderful. Fine. So enough about Crazy Jane. There will um, never be enough about Crazy Jane. <laughs> no, she's fabulous. What about Rebus? I'm real creeped out by him, her, it, Rebus. Them. Real creepy. Mostly, as we discussed, by the way, it just absorbed two people and subsumed their identities, and we just waved that off, but yeah. And, yeah. Creeping me out. In issue 20, when Cliff went to go be like, hey, I guess I'll figure out what happened to my previous friend, Larry Trainer, and he gets there and Rebus is just there being really moody. Like and... haughty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, haughty. Like arms crossed, legs crossed, like hmm. And Re- this is how I read it in my brain. Uh, Rebus just goes, I am nothing special. Nothing pure. I am mud and flame. And and Chief just goes, I see. (laughs) Okay. Cool. cool. All right. right. I mean, that's very respectful of Rebus's identity. Chief is very respectful of their identity. He's just kind of scratching his chin, saying. Just like, interesting, interesting. Interesting. Hmm. (laughs) Once again, an interesting character that sort of subverted uh, my expectations i kind of expected it to be like even haughtier sort of um uh like an omniscient being like dr manhattan once again like this is all beneath me but they rebus was very much willing to be like let's have a chat and i'll go help you with your thing like when they went finally to orquith cliff wanted to go to save josh Mm -hmm. uh, jane just follows him around and is helpful so like sure but Rebus was there too. Like I'm also yeah. coming. Sure, I'll help. I Why don't not? give a fuck about Josh. I Why assume. Not? I mean, maybe Rebus does give a fuck about Josh. Maybe they have the memories of Larry. I have no idea. Since it's it not explained, explained <laughs> we won't know. We won't know unless we read on, or maybe not even then. <laughs> maybe not even then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm really sad that Josh is God, or not Josh, um, Larry is God. I was like, Larry seemed funny and nice. His He's personality gone. Is nah, totally fuck gone. Larry. <laughs> Larry did not seem to want to be mushed together with the negative energy. He really did doctor. not. <laughs> but he still opened the window. He did. I think he was being forcefully made to Yeah. <laughs> it kind of felt like it seemed the negative like he was... could control him. Yeah. Yeah. Open the window, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Call the doctor, Josh or yeah. Larry. That was another thing. Wait, that who's was Josh? Weird. Why did I say that? Josh yeah, I don't is know the. <laughs> I keep forgetting because Josh's name was said so much that I want to say it. Josh yeah. is the guy yeah, who was pushing guy. the chief around. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> completely different person. What? But it was a confusing story. Okay, it was very confusing. The thing with the negative ghost man thing. 
that also reminded me of Sandman was Sandman has a lot of stylized ways of talking and speech bubbles. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're disagreeing. I thought you were interjecting. No, but it spoke with no spaces and no capitals and no punctuation, I think. It was like, we're start. And I saw a few places also where speech bubbles were like intruding into the panels. Like uh, the only one I remember is that yes. early on they were in the mental institution and someone was walking down the stairs behind them and they were walking through the speech bubble, which I think is interesting. It's kind of getting a bit meta with the structure of the comic. Yeah, I um, so usually I don't really care very much about lettering. Like I don't mm-hmm. really notice it or anything, but... Right. In this one, it was, like, each character, or each of the main characters, at least, had, like, a different way that their um, stuff was lettered. Oh, and, they all did? Oh, yeah. interesting. I didn't even notice that. Well, I don't know if the chief did, but the three main characters, like, each of them, it was kind of distinct. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, and I especially noticed it with Rebus, because the... Whoever, whatever that thing, it was the negative man, you said, that came in I, and... It's not called the negative man, but it's something like that. Yeah, whatever it was, it had the the lettering was a certain way, and Larry's lettering was just, like, normal, you know? Mm-hmm. Like normal would, person talking. Yeah, and his is, you know, all jumped together and has the interesting border or whatever. Right. And then after they become combined, it still has the interesting border, but it has his, like the words aren't jumbled together anymore. Oh. So it's like, it it gave to me that character a distinct voice. And right. when I read each of the dialogue of the main characters, I read it in, or I heard it in my head in a distinct kind of voice, which I thought was really interesting and really cool because usually I don't really notice the lettering at all. Right. That's what, in Sandman, the Sandman is part of this, like, there's seven siblings who are like aspects of the universe and most or all of them have a different way of either the lettering is done in their bubbles or the structure of the bubbles or something like that. And then normal people have normal speech bubbles. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that. That made me remember that. That was something that I wanted to bring up. Something Melissa made me think about while we were on our break. We're back in the podcast now, by the way, I decided. The art, first of all, all the women in here, I don't think the person drawing this knows how to draw women, because <laughs> I was never sure if they were, they'd have very big shoulders and be, like, bulky. Crazy Jane, in particular, dressed in the most sack-like clothing of all time. It was the 80s. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> um, but there were a lot of black people in this comic. Like, from the beginning. Were like there? Even... There were two. <laughs> there were two two characters, but there was also, when they were moving, there were some black people. Whenever there was, like, shots of people being terrorized by scissor men, there was a few black people in there. Not everyone was white. And I was, even if it's not a representative amount, I was, like, more surprised than that one. there were any. Yeah, more than <laughs> one. Hmm. Well, it is Kansas City, so uh, there should be there should a lot. Be some. Yes, Um, and it is the late 80s. Um, But as Melissa said, we haven't really talked about the scissor men a lot. No. I thought they were cool. Point A, very creepy. Yes. (laughs) But also silly. 
Extremely silly. silly. Yes. <laughs> I, once again, for stylized language, I really enjoyed that their secret language was just like a bunch of words that you aren't likely to know the definition to. Like, words that you maybe know like 20% of them. <laughs> yes, SAT words. Yes, SAT words or spelling bee words. I spent a while trying to look up each word I didn't know because I didn't know that they would be doing that so much. A lot of it was just like the names of animals or plants. <laughs> Honestly, that really helped make everything very consistently confusing because yes. you start reading it like you're supposed to make sense of it. <laughs> and it just catches you off guard all right. the time. But really, you yes. should be thinking of it as a foreign language, apparently. Although sometimes the things they said, the meaning seemed to be like one step removed from what they might want to be saying. So, right. But yeah, I just watched the other day a bunch of wired technique critique videos with the um, the accent guy. And he did one about made up languages like uh, Tolkien's elf language, the Navi language from Avatar, the two languages in Game of Thrones. I'm just like, very intrigued by the concept of these nerd philosopher men essentially wrote like a collaborative nonsense fiction. language. Yes, and they right. made a nonsense language out of SAT words. Yeah, it might have <laughs> helped if they had put it in a different font. Yeah. Um, I think it was interesting, though, that you do try to read it at first, and it kind of throws you for a loop. Like, it yeah. makes you confused and off-center off by trying yes. to read it. Yeah, I it was, one, it was one of the things that I liked. Yeah. I liked, like, I enjoyed that. I, I thought it was good, and it went with the story that I was confused the whole time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it felt very thematic to the story, yeah. Yeah. So what the Scissor Men were doing essentially i guess is they come and scissor you out of existence and then you go to Orkwick, where you're like a ghost man monte's laughing but he has fallen out of the range of his to what end <laughs> to what matter. end to populate Orkwith eventually i felt like kind of ashamedly uh fellow with that though because for school or i'm also a writer i write things for myself i've created a lot of fake sham religions and sham societies and i was like this sounds like something i wrote for a project at college <laughs> you this created religion. the orc with yes oh but um the third philosopher was you it was <gasps> me but uh they mentioned or crazy jane mentioned it seems like they based the scissor men on the struel peter so I looked that up. It's an 1845 German children's book containing a bunch of stories which are really moralistic. For instance, one of them is a violent boy terrorizes animals and people. Eventually he is bitten by a dog who goes on to eat the boy's food while Frederick is bedridden. That kind of thing. <laughs> um, Great. The one with the scissor men, which they kept doing like the little rhyme which I guess is from it. It doesn't say it in here. But that one is, A mother warns her son Conrad not to suck his thumbs. However, when she goes out of the house, he resumes his thumbs sucking until a roving tailor appears and cuts off his thumbs with giant scissors. Jesus. That's the Wikipedia uh, summary of that story. You know, old-time children's stories are just the best. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
I just really enjoy the one-sentence summaries on Wikipedia where, like, there's no (laughs) flavor to the story. It's just, like, this happened and then you was punished. It's like, that's that's what they're like. (laughs) Very, very uh, harsh truths old-timey stories are. You will die. You will suffer. Yes. Just a heads up. A boy goes outside during a storm. The wind catches his umbrella and lifts him into the air. The story ends with the boy sailing into the distance. <laughs> like, grim! <laughs> but that's where the scissor men come from, apparently. I'm All real right. freaked out by them. Yeah, I would say as they were slowly introduced, it was very confusing as to yes. what they were doing. Um, and then it isn't until the last issue, issue 22, when you see their orc with, or it's even named. Yeah. It just comes to be. Because Crazy Jane, not only can she read the Black Book, but everyone realized she probably would be able to. And we're yeah. like, here, Crazy Jane, try to read this book. And they just consistently... Where is, right, where, where is the evidence that makes us think Crazy Jane would be able to? Especially since apparently Cliff just said, yeah, she'll be able to, rather than she was like, oh, I can probably read that. Yeah, the chief really underestimates her because she's like, I already did it. I'm done. And and I suppose if you had to gamble on who would be able to do it, it's the person (laughs) with multiple personalities. If you had um, to be like, who amongst this room can read this? She's the one I'd pick. But it's quite a logical leap to be like, I'm pretty sure someone in this room can read this book. (laughs) Definitely Crazy Jane. Definitely Crazy Jane could do it. So, what Melissa was mad about when I came downstairs was uh, she was mad about how they got to Orquith, which I think the best explanation is from when the chief says, she's talking about mimetic memory. So then I googled that to be like, how does that apply? But mimetic is the word with the root word of meme. So saying this is something that passes from human brain to human brain is how it happens. Much like how yes. memes got their name is like, this is a unit of culture that just travels from being something that people look at and talk about and pass from one to another. So essentially this is the uh, origin of memes. And as we can <laughs> see, it's going to destroy the universe. With their scissor hands. Yes. So that's why no one should uh, partake of memes ever again, especially me. And all the hours I've wasted just reading memes on Reddit. No, you should continue doing that. <laughs> and then I should put them in our group chat. Yeah. Make everyone look at them. But I was really excited when I was like, oh, that's memes. Yeah, I, um, for, because this story was in the 80, like 1989 is before the internet was, you know, what it before is. Before it was ex- even yeah. accessible to the public, really. Yeah, so. Like it existed, but not everyone was using it for entertainment. Yeah. So I wasn't really sure what the, like it, it, I think it's interesting that it probably means something different now than it would have at the time that it was written. Mm -hmm. Like I'm sure it had meaning back then. I'm not sure what the meaning was back then or if there really was any, I mean, it definitely seemed like the story was definitely silly and it was, you know, nonsense fun. But I do think that it seemed like it was definitely trying to say something about the folly of man. Yeah, (laughs) I think at that time, or at least probably 10 years before, at the very least, 
mimetic memory would probably be more closely associated with the concept of the collective unconscious, maybe? Like a fun, not even, I'm, I'm never sure if Jung, Carl Jung, the psychologist, meant that the collective unconscious was like some kind of psychic thing back here that we all came from, or if it was a social thing, like we all, by growing up as humans, our brains function in a similar way and we have similar ideas that we pull from to structure our thoughts and our memories and our emotions. I think um, uh, the second one. I would assume and hope so, because I kind of, I enjoy Jung a lot more than I enjoy Freud. Um, and I hope he did not believe in a real psychic collective unconscious. No, he, so I'm a, I was a <laughs> psychology major and sociology OMG. major. I'm actually. Yeah, so I like kind of study Carl Jung or whatever, so. <laughs> LOL. So t- teach us all about Carl Jung. No, I'm not going to because that was, uh, oh my God, that was 10 years ago. Jesus Don't say fucking it. Don't Christ. Don't say it. That was 10 years ago. You know. No. I just clarify. Oh, we this started, podcast just got dark. We started no. being in college ten years ago. We were not deep in our studies in college ten years ago. Just clarify. Veronica, well, Monty's yeah, having but... an existential crisis. I know. I'm, make it better. I'm having it along with him, and I'm trying to make it better. And also, Carl Jung was at the beginning of. There's no reason to study these psychoanalysts more than in an intro class. Right. So, I've only read about them in like Wikipedia articles and my high school psychology textbook. So, but yeah, it was the concept of like a shared social experience. Like we all grow up with the same things, even if we don't necessarily notice them. Right. And organically, and they, we have the same brains and the same yeah. structure of emotions. So it forms a sort of collective, experience, collective conscious yeah. consciousness. Right. So I don't know if there would have been another step forth from that to be interested in mimetic things and how they travel from person to person i like maybe gossip would be something that people would talk about or or i guess it's the 80s pop culture was huge yes telephones and magazines and stuff yeah music videos oh just like it monte's moving yeah so i think i like I said, I thought it was interesting that it probably means something different now than it did back then, but also kind of the same thing. Yeah. Units of culture moving from person to person rather than being published or I'm just going to stick with published because my vocabulary brain is dead. Boo. Just a second. Boo. Okay. Boo's interlude. All right, I'm back. Okay. Sit your butt down. No. <gasps> All right, just, Veronica, you were looking through your notes. Yeah. You were gonna, we were going to talk about something, and you didn't want to forget about PC. Oh, that was about um, how there are black people. That was all I meant. It's getting a little more PC and having black people in it. <laughs> and now you're going to talk about the chief the being chief. like, people hate me because I'm crippled. Um, and the only person who, who said anything about him being in a wheelchair. It was the guy that he busted unannounced. <laughs> just blew up that his door. That was such a fantastic, like, that was just so great. Just, it exploded, and it was like, he was so close to it that it was like it exploded because of his physical, like, he physically exploded it. Yeah. Not like he blew it up or anything. Like, 
he exploded it by just ramming into it with his chair. I mean, he might have a <laughs> He might have an exploding thing's power. I have no idea. It's not explained. Don't no, he wrong. doesn't. I assume this, he doesn't have any powers. This right man so. might be a total asshole who's rude to people that he thinks he's better than. We but... once again don't know anything about him. Just say it. Anything could be true. But we also but know always... everything about him. Like <laughs> Also, at the beginning, the chief was in a push wheelchair because Joshua had to push him around. Josh had to push him around. Now he's in a what are they called? Not automatic wheelchair. A motorized Mo- motorized wheelchair. Um, it could be some kind of superhero wheelchair that goes at super speeds <laughs> enough to explode doors. Just using the information we have, a man Which in is a wheelchair blows like I'm just because he's in like a den, like he's like in an office of yes. his own house. This guy enters your house. <laughs> Explodes the door that you're currently in, and you're busy. And uh, either by ramming into it or with some kind of explosive charge, (laughs) like a breach charge. I just don't know if there's a high ground between the two people here. We have no idea how he decided that you were the problem. It's not explained how he knew that Reinman was behind this. Pretty sure. (laughs) We tried to see. Maybe they mentioned his name. Don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and then he shoots. Well, he did say he was going to look for the philosophers. He did say that, and he found them apparently. He definitely did. We don't know. And it it just kind of had this like badass, I don't give a shit kind of vibe. I'm gonna bust into your house. You call me cripple, I'll make you cripple. Boom. (laughs) Also, tell me what I want to (laughs) hear. It sounds unhinged. In fact, (laughs) I enjoyed it a lot. (laughs) Fucking nuts. Classic. So that's not explained. Um, he does that while the rest of them are in Orkwith, and their plan, based on reading the book, is to go to these two priests, who are the classic like mythological tale of one always lies and one always tells the truth, and then they mix that plan with like the uh, an AI can be defeated by a logical fallacy, right? Trope. Also, so they're smushed together. Very interesting. Sounds like something a bunch of nerds would say. Also, I'm going to say, in the book, it calls them philosophers, but I'm just yeah. imagining that they're um, a D&D group. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they called themselves philosophers, but that's my imagination. Um, nothing against D&D, but when people who play D&D also write a joint fiction together, I'm going to say nerds. so yeah they um are just walking through orkwith which melissa is very mad about how they got there um also not explained i just rolled with it though and their plan is the negative spirit is going to go into the ossuary which means a place where bones are kept and there's a word for it because saints often have like relics that are bones you keep them there or catacombs full of bones, and just does it. He does do it while uh, Crazy Jane gets a sun for a head and fights off Scissor Man. The coolest moment. It's hands down. I mean, unprecedented. Okay. I was just like, She's wonderful. Just like, All right, I'll take care of these guys. My head's a sun. I'm gonna shoot <laughs> fire fireballs at everybody. Yeah, you're welcome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
that's what happens. Like, I don't have any other words for it except that it happened. And it was great. Yeah. Um, so what we were kind of talking about during the break was this philosopher guy kind of going back with, mm-hmm. is this philosopher Reinman guy a cameo something that we should understand because when the chief shows up he's immediately aggressive immediately violent and we don't get an explanation of who it is it's not like you're a professor and you do all these bad things but you're secretly like a warlock or something nothing he's a guy yeah it it was kind of just silly (laughs) um and kind of nonsense um my question was did either of you understand while the chief was interrogating this poor Reinman philosopher guy who's also an asshole whatever i don't know i'm conflicted about how to feel about this person um (laughs) now at the same time we have jane Mm -hmm. rebus and cliff all in the what was it again or quiff Orc with, and they are figuring out that same information at the same time. Are they yeah. communicating with the chief, or was yeah. there no reason? To I don't think they are. I think <laughs> okay. it's trying to be that like cinematic, right. like back and forth. And we're realizing the same thing at the same time, but yeah, there was no reason. <laughs> so in the end, all the stuff with Reinman was unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, it was completely unnecessary. It could have just not <laughs> no. happened and would have been just mysterious, almost as mysterious as it is, because we still don't know anything about it. If you yeah. are a fan of Doom Patrol and you are listening to this podcast and you know the explanations of the things we don't understand, please email us at thebottlecomic at gmail.com and explain <laughs> it to us. We would be very grateful. Um, not that we need it, because as we've said, we've accepted that the Doom Patrol is just batshit, and we enjoy it. <laughs> but we're interested. So yeah, I don't know, Melissa. Yeah. Um, so they're in, or quit. Mm-hmm. Um, they're dealing with the, philo- uh, the, the priests. two priests mm-hmm. with the logical fallacy, with mm-hmm. the whatever, whatever. Right. It's a whole Sorry. Thing. Go back on. <laughs> go back. Go back oh, to that. I was just... <laughs> I just wanted to make sure we explained that because I didn't think we were going to talk about it because I don't really have any emotions about it. <laughs> it was happening at a breakneck speed. Um, I kind of wish that when he was talking to them and figuring out which one was a liar, that that had gone on longer because I really like those like logic puzzle, like mythological riddle answering right. type of stories. Like that is that is my jam. But it was just yeah. like, let's do it real fast. And it was like, if you don't know about the myth of, like, I don't even know what it's from. It's just a trope in, like, fantasy right. and mythology of, like, this one always lies and this one always tells the truth. And there's, like, a logic on how to figure out which one is which. And it's interesting. And it, like, makes your brain feel smart. Like, you're in yeah. an intro to philosophy class and you're learning all the, like, philosophical thought experiments and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, it's interesting yeah. to read. And it's, like... But it was like, no, we're getting through it. We have to get to the end. Yeah. So they defeat the Orkwith mm-hmm. universe. They, they convince and- Orkwith that it doesn't exist because it didn't all along, and it disappears. Returning all the scissored people yeah. to their 
units of nothingness where they yeah. were. Yeah, yeah. Probably and not that guy who crashed his car and burned alive. Not that guy. I no, think he's that, gone. I think Kat was one of the philosophers, though. That was one of the philosophers. Oh. And I was wondering if maybe that is somehow what caused it to start happening, or that it had already started taking him over. It's not explained, but the the mechanism of it starting to happen, I assume, is they just, like, they wrote the story... And it meshed with the universe so well that it started to do that to spread through people's minds. So it would have had to start with them because they're the ones who knew it and then pass it on to other people. I assumed that that was kind of when it, well, but that didn't make, that wouldn't make any sense because there was the one guy who cut himself in the um, hospital. That was before that. that, uh, He was aware of it, it seems. Once again, not explained. Um, I was assuming either he's crazy and thus he knows it, or he was psychic somehow and he was learning it. I don't know. Or it could have been the gene bomb that is causing all this to happen. Like, the gene bomb somehow got the philosophers and caused it to happen. I have no idea. There's lots of explanations that could have been used for why it started to happen. Maybe he was one of the philosophers. Maybe he was. Philosopher. Yeah, philosopher. Yes. That would That's also make a good a idea. Yeah. These are the things that you <laughs> should sit down and figure out if you're going to be a writer. <laughs> it doesn't have to make sense. You just have to figure it out and write it down, or you don't have to, as this story proves. Yeah. Yeah, I, was gonna, I, don't, I just don't <laughs> think they care. <laughs> they were like, eh, it happens. Which, um, when we were, uh, reading Catwoman, and you didn't like the fact that the Squish guy got the chance to, like, go back and explain why he was like that, because it's like, why do we care? Because you're just killing people. My attitude was like, oh, well, but it's like a comic book, so the comic book readers want to see that, like, cool Squish Face origin story, so they'll throw that in there and I'll just accept it. But here, they're like, no, you don't get to know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, matter. it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a fun story, and it doesn't have to make sense. But I eat, like, that's the stuff I want to know. As a sci-fi nerd, or a fantasy nerd, or a comic book nerd, I want those explanations that don't make any sense. But I, I'm like, ooh, intriguing. I want to know them. But nope. Nah, cut the <laughs> bullshit. Cut through the bullshit, get to the fighting, wrap it up. More Robot Man faces. More Robot yes. Man. <laughs> Truly, we should have a compilation of all the horrified <laughs> mouth agape Robot Man cliff faces that he right. made throughout this. Very, very expressive for a robot. Just gonna say. Did anyone else have anything they wanted to talk about? I didn't. The only thing that I really wanted to talk about was the the meme thing mm-hmm. and the lettering and crazy Jane, obviously. And Melissa hating robot man. <laughs> Being very annoyed by him. Um, yeah. I do feel that the ending kind of ended very abruptly and felt kind of cop out, like, because we didn't get those explanations and the time taken with it, but not a lot. It didn't feel like that too much. 
especially given that my expectations had been crushed down to the floor with all the previous things. Um, which some of it isn't necessarily this arc's fault because this is issue 19. It's a new writer and kind of a jumping on point, but it's not the first issue of a volume, so. Right. Kind of have to forgive some of the confusing things that yeah, someone who had started on issue one would already know. Yeah, it's somewhat our fault that uh, we didn't know those things. Yeah, that's why, that's kind of why um, I know we started reading well, no, we didn't start reading Jumping Off Points, but, like, I think the second story that I picked was a Jumping Off, but I don't think that that's something that we necessarily should try to continue doing because it's not, like, in comics, you can't really, especially for Marvel and DC, you can't really have Jumping right. On Points. Right. It's not going, there's always going to be, like, so much context that you're not going to know if you haven't read the whole thing, and there's no way to read the whole thing, so you just kind of have to... Right. Especially, we started out with Dark Phoenix, which wasn't really a jumping on point, but it was the start of a new arc. But it was during an era where literally every single thing that was brought up received an in-text citation to previous ones, so we might have had our expectations lifted there. But yeah, I do like trying to read a full arc that is a significant one. Usually it is, it does give you a chance to get in without having to do too much background research. Even if, like, there's some assumption that you'll know who the characters are. Often, even if it's just the start of an arc, they'll give you a little bit of background. Yeah. But I enjoy it. Overall, I did enjoy this arc. I felt weirded out the whole time. But it really reminded me of the Sandman era and felt really comic booky in that 80s way. Definitely. So, the first of our various segments, Melissa, Wolverine. Yes. Back to Wolverine Appreciation Corner. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I appreciate the most about Wolverine is how there's no bullshit. You know, you know who he is. He's very honest. He's very open. And when you're looking for a relationship or a friend, you don't need secrets. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you don't need secrets. You don't need people telling you things and then you find out later that they're different yeah the only secrets wolverine has are secrets from himself because Mm -hmm. he's forgotten them um my favorite blame him yeah my favorite thing about wolverine in this issue was how his spirit possessed crazy jane in the form of black anise and her (laughs) sweet nails combined with finger talons if you notice, she oh, had yes. fingernails and then talons coming out of the back of her hands and came yes. in to uh, kick some scissor man ass for us. So thank you very much, Wolverine. Monte. Yeah. Monte. Wolverine um, appreciation. My Wolverine appreciation for this story arc uh, is, so the scissor men had scissors for hands. Wolverine has claws for hands and they're much cooler. Oh, okay. Not nearly as silly, but also still <laughs> silly. Still silly. Yeah. Knife hands are still silly, but not as silly as scissor hands. Mm -hmm. But they're relevant. Relevant. Knife hands will always be relevant. It's true. She's keeping it chic, okay? As scissors are really just a subset of knives where you screw two knives together at a pivot point, knives really have more applications as a more general implement. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Second segment, favorite panel. Mine is which we talked about during a break um, in the first issue when Magnus and uh, Robot Man are talking to each other 
Robot Man tells him to go fuck yourself, essentially. If I could spew on you, I would. Magnus <laughs> then takes a panel to make the best affronted face I've ever seen in a comic book. And Gasp. it's fabulous. <laughs> Gasp! Yes. My wonderful. favorite panel was obviously uh, the chief bur- exploding, not bursting, <laughs> exploding through that door. It was fantastic. That was it's the best so part of this entire <laughs> story art. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I did mention mine uh, favorite ca- uh, panel earlier when Rebus is d- just just really laying down the philosophical burden of being not pure and being mud and flame, <laughs> and Chief just goes, "Okay, not me. <laughs> 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 no, all right, sweetie." <laughs> I enjoyed it very much. All right, uh, how do we think this will stand up in our bracket? I don't know. I don't yeah. think it'll be too high, but not not the absolute bottom. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see. Definitely gets weirdness points. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I did really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It was one of the more enjoyable stories that we've read, mm-hmm. despite being very dark, sort of emotionally. Anyway, Mate, what are we reading next week? So next week we are going to go back to Marvel for Black Panther: World of Wakanda. which is a five-part story arc written by Roxane Gay, who is the first Black woman to be a lead writer in Marvel. Excellent. And also, I believe she's queer. Cool, cool. So this story is... The two main characters are two lesbian women in a relationship. So it should be good. A lot of nodding approvingly. Yes. mm -hmm. And this was written in 2017 is when this came out. So it took up until 2017 for Marvel to hire a black woman to be the lead (laughs) writer on a story. So good job, Marvel. Pat anyone's back. (laughs) Yeah. Way to go. When did Black Panther come out? The movie? The movie? Uh, I'm not sure. 2016? 16 or 17. It was in February. Wasn't it like February? I don't know. I think um, it came out while MoviePass was functioning, though. That's a good way to 2018. Mark it. 2018. Oh, so it was before they made a ton of money on that movie. Yeah. So one plus point for them? Wait. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I haven't read this story before, so it'll be new to me. And Is it its own series, or does it have a volume and issue? No, it's a limited series. Okay. It's just Black Panther World of Wakanda. And you said you've never read it before? No. Look forward to it. And this is your last choice before we do the bracket. And I'll have one more and then we'll do the bracket episode. And debate which of the ones we've read is the best based on no criteria whatsoever. Yeah, based on who knows what. (laughs) Based on what I'm drinking. Oh, (laughs) the booze will have have an input on uh, the bracket one. We should be more drunk for that one. Because we don't have to sit and remember things we've read. We just have to yell at each other. <laughs> While remembering things that we read. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was what we were doing every week. Oh, I... yeah. Totally. <laughs> uh, so anyway, please join us next week for that. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at... Uh, Bottle Comic. All right. Without the the. At yeah. Bottle Comic on Instagram and Twitter. Or email us, and please do so if you know what the hell we just read, at thebottlecomic at gmail.com. 
And yep. I think that's it. Is that it? That's yep, it? That's it. All right. So we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Melissa did a hand wavy. She says bye too. <laughs>